We've been looking this fall at First uh, Peter. Uh, today we're going to look at, uh, well, I'm going to read to you First Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. We're going to actually, we looked at 4 and 5 last week. We're going to look at 6 through 8 this week. And then starting next week, next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to look at one of Peter's sermons uh, from Acts chapter 3 for four weeks for our, our text uh, during uh, Advent. Uh, but today I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. The text is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, For behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So one of the things that we've been uh, doing, one of the things we've been looking at is seeing the, the rich picture here in this text of the description that Peter gives of the church of God. What he says is what our identity is, who we are. And one of the things that, that we noticed last week is um, coming to Jesus, the living and precious and chosen chief cornerstone causes us to be living stones that are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood full of life and joy. So this, these images that Peter's piling up here of, of the living stone, the precious stone, the, the chief cornerstone, the, uh, and the fact that we're connected with him, we become living stones in this building, this spiritual house. But it's not just a spiritual house that's static. He shifts the metaphor to say, and not only that, you are a, a priesthood a royal priesthood, and within that priesthood, because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of his blood, because of his life, because of his death, you then are offering these, these uh, sacrifices of praise and service that are acceptable to God in and by and through Jesus Christ, right? So as we, people, are connected to the living stone, we become little living stones, and this house is bursting with the resurrection life that our chief cornerstone gives us. And so this is a powerful picture, a rich picture of what exactly is, is, uh, is going on here. And it is something that is, is uh, it, 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 Peter is, is just uh, overflowing with joy and excitement as he speaks this to people who are exiles. Now, AJ, take, take my notes down for this for a while. Because here's the thing that you have to note about this is, is, that it, 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 for most of us, if we were writing this text and we were talking to people who were under pressure, talking to people who were suffering persecution, talking to people who, many of whom are slaves, who have uh, 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 masters who are mean and cruel, uh, who, uh, many women who are married to unbelieving uh, husbands who are difficult, uh, uh, people who are experiencing persecution, economic deprivation as a result of their identifying with Jesus Christ. And so you would think he would just stop right here with the great news. Man, listen, 
You may feel like things are hard, but you are actually a spiritual house. You are connected to the living stone. Jesus Christ is precious. He is the chief cornerstone. The the problem is, what it looks to them like is that maybe, just maybe, these people, these circumstances, these, these situations are bigger than their identity in Christ. Marty and I were were talking uh, this week and um, just kind of a a, a time to catch our breath and just talk a little bit about what's going on. And one of the things that we agreed about is, is that we are in a season of life of losing. Losing. Now, now part of that, you may hear that and you may think, well, what, what what exactly does that mean? Well, well, part of it is, you know, people we know and love are, are disappearing, slowly but surely, right before our very eyes. So that's, uh, uh, and that's going on in, in both of our families, and so that's, that's a thing that, that you have to confront. Um, but, but more than that, <laughs> more than that, if, if, if it's, it feels not just like those kinds of losses, but it feels kind of like and this, this is a lame illustration, but it's the best one I could come up with. It's like, in August, you set your hopes and dreams upon this football team. And you think, they're going to be great. And week after week, they're not great. They lose. And so it's not just so that something, something, you know, this bad happens, it's, it's, it's a series of bad happenings, right? It's a, it's a series of opportunities of like, well, this isn't going so well. This, this didn't live up to expectations, and this is not working, and this is not working. And, and so as I think about that, I, as I'm confronted with, with people's unbelief, when I'm confronted with people's refusal to uh, hear and believe the gospel, when I'm confronted with sickness and brokenness, when I'm confronted with violence and ignorance and racism and, and, and those kinds of things, I, I'm tempted to think, you know what? We're losing. That for whatever reason, the power of this stuff that is arrayed against the chief cornerstone and his spiritual house are more powerful and somehow or other God is absent from this. And so what Peter understands as he speaks these things, it's not enough for him to say, stand on the cornerstone, you belong to him, he's the living stone, you get life from him, he's doing this. There's comfort in that, and there's rich comfort in that. But the comfort goes even deeper by Peter turning that over and saying, and let me, sh- let me help you understand about what's happening when people reject me. Let me help you understand what's happening when people persecute the church. Let me help you understand when those you love disappear. Let me help you understand what is happening here. And so it's, it's, it, it is, uh, let me alert you that what we're going to talk about in the next 10 or 15 minutes is strong medicine. Uh, but it is, if you have ears to hear it and a heart to receive it, there's rich encouragement 
uh, in, in what Peter says to this beleaguered uh, and struggling uh, little church. So uh, AJ, put, put my notes up there. So in verses 6 through 8, Peter is going to weave together three Old Testament passages. The first one, Isaiah 28, 16, he says, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And then Psalm 118, 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And then uh, Isaiah 8, 14, and he'll become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And so what you have to see about this is, as Peter talks about this, he's getting at exactly what these images from the Old Testament mean, that this, this stone is a powerful thing, but it also is the reason some people are falling. It is the reason some people are stumbling. And not only is it the reason, but it is, it, it is the reason by the plan of God. Next slide. Um, so there are two huge ideas that emerge from these texts. The first one's this. If you ch- trust Christ, the chief cornerstone, you'll never be disappointed or ashamed that you trusted him. Ever. Ever. It will not prove itself as faulty. You can build your life on this stone. You can hide in this stone. You can stand on the truth and the trustworthiness of this stone. Now, one of the things that is true of us is we... we um, and true of me anyway, is I, I entrust myself to all sorts of things. And not, not a stupid, idolatrous way, but I, I, I've spent a lot of time in my life uh, thinking that, well, because I've entered into a contract with this person or because we, we have this sort of agreement, then, then you know, they're going to live up to their end of the agreement and everything's going to be okay. And so we have trust. And I think they'll, they'll do what they say they're going to do. So, um, being the responsible homeowner that I am, I have a maintenance contract with my heat pump, okay? And uh, three times a year, they come out there, and they fiddle around with my heat pump. And they come and they tell me, it's only five years old. They come and they tell me, your heat pump's great. Now, they love my heat pump. They think it's great. Well, this year, the guy comes, he does his thing. And he says, here, you know, we, I've inspected it. And he hands me this paper, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, $500, $500, all these things on here. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and he's like, well, I think these things are going to break on your heat pump. Are they broken now? No. Well, that's $1,700. I might as well buy a whole new system. He's like, Yeah. Really? Really? Now, one of my kids is in the house, and after this was all done, he said, Dad, you were yelling at that guy. And I'm like, yes, I, yes, yes, I was. Um, and and I, I'm like, this thing's only five years old. And, and you mean to tell me that all this stuff is broken on it, and I got to replace it? He's like, uh, no, not really. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, if I were you, I wouldn't do anything about it. I'd just wait. I'll see you later. And he left. 
So Marty comes home and I put this thing on the table and I'm like, you know, I trusted these guys because they're the manufacturer of this stupid thing. And so here it is. I'm imagining this is going to go, you know, we're going to go away for a day or two at Thanksgiving. It's going to get cold. We're going to come back and it's going to burn our house down. And not only that, that we'll gather on Christmas Day outside around our new heat pump with the kids and say, Merry Christmas, kids. Let's drink our eggnog around our new heat pump. This is awesome. Now, I tell you that because, you know, this, what a stupid illustration. Because the fact is, I take that personally, and I act as if whether I have a heat pump or not is a matter of life and death. I have a roof over my head. I have three square meals on the table. I have a family who loves me. I have cars that get me around. I am blessed. I am blessed. And yet, and yet, when I look at that, I think, you know what? I trusted this, and now I am ashamed that I trusted these guys to take care of this, and they're not. Listen. What Jesus is saying to us through Peter here is, you can build your life on this rock, and when the storm comes, it will not grumble. When the, when, the, when the arrows get shot at you and the temptation and the heat gets turned on, you can hide yourself on this rock and you'll be safe. And not only that, not only that, in a world where things become cre- increasingly unclear about what is real and what is true and what is trustworthy, You can trust yourself, you can stand on this truth, and it is clear and truth. The trustworthy of this stone is never, ever going to be shaken. And so as rich and as powerful as that is, that is our hope, that is our life, that is the foundation, that is what the church settles on, on on the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rejected, crucified, risen, Coming again, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you entrust yourself to that, you will, you will never, ever, ever be put to shame. But what about everybody else who says, you're an idiot for that? I'm winning. You're losing. I have the power. I have the money. I have all the cards in the deck. Well, the flip side of this is is that what Peter wants us to understand in this poor beleaguered church is is that human unbelief cannot thwart the purpose of God. Okay? Now, why even bring this up? (laughs) Why not just leave it in the, the, the positive thing Why even bring this up? Well, it's important. Next slide. Because if you're weak, struggling, and suffering, it feels like you're losing. And maybe, by implication, the people or the circumstances arrayed against you appear to be winning. And so if I reject the cornerstone, which is what these people are doing, am I somehow rather more powerful than God? Is God's purpose being thwarted in the world when horrible things happen, when, when, when the church seems to falter, when, when so many people are arrayed against the church or so many people say, you know what, Christianity, the gospel, the cornerstone, it's a joke. It's just for people who need a crutch. It's just, it's just, it's just words on a page. If that helps you sleep at night, fine. But you know what? I am the master of my fate. I am the determiner of what I believe. I'm in charge. That seems very powerful. 
that appeals to Americans. But what Peter says is, all thoughts about human self-determination and self-reliance are destroyed by what Peter says in this passage. I do not have the ultimate say in my life. No one does. Let me say that again. I don't care. (laughs) Well, I do care. It breaks my heart that you think you might have the say in your life. But the fact is, you don't. It may look like you do, but what Peter says here to us is that you cannot boast before God in your achievements, in your wealth, in your righteousness, in your goodness, in your moral superiority. You cannot boast in that. All you can say is, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the power of the resurrection in me. I am what I am simply because God loves me. I have no boast. And the flip side of that is, if you reject the stone, if you say, I don't need that, that's not for me, that's hogwash, none of that really matters, you are there by the will of God. That's what he means when he says here, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So whether you believe or not, you reject the stone, he's still the cornerstone. But not only now is he the cornerstone, he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and they stumble because they disobey the gospel as they were destined to do. Right? And so, so I, I can boast to God, I can boast to you, I can say, you know what, I, my rejection is my decision. I determined that. And so, so, that my rejection of the stone is my decision, but Peter says, no, it's not. No, it's not. Now, now you hear that and you're like, oh, that is, that is, that's horrifying. That's, that's terrible. But the fact of the matter is, nothing could be more comforting to a beleaguered and struggling church who says, what have we gotten ourselves into? What is happening here? Peter says, listen, you are where you are by the grace and the power of God. And the the opponents, the the people who want to kill you, the people who want to uh, persecute you, they are what they are by the purpose and power of God. Now, what you have to see here is this is great news for people who are struggling. This is great news for people who have no power This is great news for people who wonder how it is that the world is going to work because what Peter is saying is, look, look, God is, (laughs) these people who are rejecting you, they are rejecting you as he says here because that's what they were destined to do. Now, next slide. So one of the things you have to get at this is is you have to look at what Peter's experience is with this. Look at Judas and the enemies of Christ. Peter Peter and Stephen will preach these sermons there to the very people, to the high priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who killed Jesus, who murdered him. And they will stand there and they will say, you thought you were doing something there. But this happened according to the plan of God so that God could redeem his people. 
So when you murder Jesus and you're accountable for that, the fact of the matter is that didn't catch Jesus off guard. That didn't catch his, his father off guard. That is exactly a part of the plan and the way the gospel happened, right? So God is always, in every circumstance, gets the last word. And so, so when we come to faith in Christ, that is because God in his grace, as we'll sing in a little bit, Grace taught my heart to fear, and grace relieved my fears, right? It is all of God. But not only that, not only that, when we see that, the, the fact of the matter is, what we can, we, every single circumstance, God gets the last word. He is the determiner of my destiny. He is the determiner of your destiny. And there couldn't be a better person to be the determiner of your destiny. Um. And that's what he says here. Even the people who appear to be rejecting him, even the people who appear to be standing against the church, he says they were destined to do that. God gets the last word. Um, In our family, that's a big deal, getting the last word. I mean, uh, if you don't get the last word, you're, you're losing. So... It's not such a big deal with my boys. You know, our conversations, you know, largely texts are like, did you see that? Yeah. Did you get that? Yes. Make sure you do this. Yes, sir. Make sure you don't do this. Yes, sir. Very simple. Nothing to it. Three words, we're done. My daughter, on the other hand, likes to narrate in her texts. And so we have these long texting things. Why we can't talk, I don't know, but we have to text. We're essaying each other back and forth. <laughs> and so when you're at the end, you're like, all right, baby, I got to go. I love you. I love you more, Dad. No, I love you the most. Not as much as me, Dad. It's time for me to go. I love you, Dad. And so, so I'm like, all right, you want to play this game? <laughs> By definition, I'm the dad. By definition, I get the last word. I will wear you down. <laughs> so so the, 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 the fact of the matter is, in the history of the world, in your personal narrative, in the story of your life, in the story of the people who appear now to be rejecting the gospel, in the, in the lives of those people who hate the church, in the lives of those people who, who look at Jesus Christ as just a giant stumbling stone, all of those people, in every case, in every way, our God who loves us, who is building us into a spiritual house, who is making us into a spiritual priesthood, gets the last word. And that is so comforting and joyous to people who are struggling, who are tempted to believe in their losing, that somehow or other their destiny may be less, or that the destiny, that that somehow or other these people are arrayed, these circumstances are arrayed, these enemies of the church are more powerful than our God. So some practical implications. God's purpose to do this stands and even incorporates the rejection of the stone into the accomplishment of this plan. It is a horrifying thing 
to find yourself in a situation where as you are confronted with the gospel, all it is for you, all Jesus is for you, is a stone of stumbling. But your rejection does not thwart the purpose of God. Next slide. Sooner or later, we all must encounter the stone, and either we're going to be built upon it, either we're going to stand upon it, either we're going to be united to it, or we're going to fall over it. The stone is the determiner. Listen. Build your life on the stone. Nothing could be more important, nothing could matter more to you than that. A, a way to understand this, and a way this became clear to me is uh, this week when I, uh, one of the, I spend a few minutes, uh, sadly, not more, but I do spend a few minutes every week trying to pray for the persecuted church in different places in the world. And, and this is a hard spiritual exercise for me because it tempts me in a lot of ways. Sometimes it tempts me to feel guilty about the ease with which I live. Sometimes it tempts me to hate the persecutors of the church. Sometimes it tempts me even a little bit to despise the people who are persecuted because it looks to me sometimes like they make dumb decisions, frankly. And so, but it is important, I think, to do that, to experience a sense of of unity and, and uh, with uh, my brothers and sisters in different parts of the world who are, who are suffering as a result of their, um, of their faith. Well, one of the things that I read this week that really helped me get at this and understand this was a pastor was asked in a, a, of a church that's being persecuted where some people have even been martyred for their faith. He was asked by an American pastor, how can we pray for you? And this pastor said, you know what? You can pray for us, but it's more important that you pray with us for the mission, for the purpose of God. Not just that somehow or other we would escape persecution, but that the gospel will have its way. Pray with us that God would use this persecution and use our persecutors to build his kingdom. Now, that resonates with me. He certainly said, you know, nobody wants to embrace suffering. Nobody goes out and seeks it. But we believe our God is big enough to take this suffering and to use it for his purpose to build his spiritual house on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, I came across this Lewis quote from uh, The Problem of Pain. And really, I probably could have just read the text and then read this sentence and sat down and saved you all some time. But um, I, think, I think this is a great summary. Lewis says, for you will certainly carry out God's purpose however you act, but it makes a difference to you <laughs> whether you serve like Judas or like John. It makes all the difference, right? So the stone will either be the foundation of your life or the cause of your fall. It's unavoidable. Uh, 
And, and, and because the stone is chosen and the chief cornerstone, let me urge you today, let me urge you today, build your life, take Jesus at his word, because as he has said, the honor is yours, and you'll never be ashamed. And don't fret, don't fret about the enemies of the church because they too are part of God's purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we need a sense of this today. Thanks for this great uh, picture. This is uh, strong stuff that we read here today. Thank you that you gave your servant Peter the words to say, to preach, to write. Help us today. Lord, we, uh, we're tempted often to think uh, those uh, who uh, are against us are more powerful than you. And yet we see here that uh, resistance, rejection, uh, simply is just one more piece of your puzzle and the accomplishment of your purpose and your plan in the world. So help us today to be comforted by the knowledge uh, that our lives uh, have a stone to be built upon, to hide in, uh, to live on, to stand upon. Help us today not to fret because of those who seem more powerful and who have chosen to stumble over that stone. And Lord, I pray today for those we love who are tripping over the stone right now. Would you open their eyes and their hearts and their ears to see you as chosen and precious and beautiful and powerful and the only sure and certain foundation in this world. Lord, we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.